Happy Halloween, folks, and welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, October 29, 2020. I am Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well. Once again, we got another exclusive interview on tap for you fine folks here today. This time with WWE superstar newest Raw acquisition, Jeff Hardy, former WWE Impact World Champion, among many other things. The charismatic enigma himself is here on WrestleRant Radio to talk his recent move to Raw, his rivalry with Elias, his brother Matt Hardy, joining AEW, the latest on the No More Words theme song, Coming Back to WWE, and so much more. It's a great interview. He's always been an inspiration of mine, so to get the chance to talk to Jeff Hardy last week to promote the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, Monday Night Raw, Elias, and whatnot, was amazing. So you can check out the article version of the interview right now on Bleach Report, and here's the audio version of that interview as well right here on the show. So before we get to any of that, as well as Mr. Marceau, he's back this week to help me break down the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, Monday's Raw, talking about brand supremacy at Survivor Series, why it doesn't make sense, Thunder Rosa potentially coming to WWE, the latest WWE Untold episode on the network, which was absolutely fantastic. A lot to talk about with Mr. Marceau here today as well, but before any of that, you can find me on the socials on Twitter at WrestleRant, on Facebook at facebook.com backslash gram.gsm.matthews. Also on YouTube, youtube.com backslash gram.gsm.matthews. Be sure to check out wrestlerant.com for in-depth articles and videos, audio, reviews, everything of Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Dynamite, Ring of Honor, and everything else in between Impact Wrestling as well, which recently had its Bound for Glory pay-per-view on Saturday. We talked to Moose last week, which was great. The pay-per-view overall was quite good. So nonetheless, check out WrestleRant.com. You can also go to WrestleRant.com or WrestleRantRadio.com for all new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday, in addition to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio. We're all over the place, baby. So rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, wherever you get your podcast, and never miss an episode. Without further ado, please welcome on, at this time, WWE Superstar, Jeff Hardy. Hey, how's it going, Jeff? Hey, good, man. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. I know we're a couple weeks removed from it, but how's your body feeling following that, you know, following that crazy ladder match at Clash of Champions? Because, you know, at this point, with the, the stage of the R at your career, you talked about in the WWE day of a couple of days ago. Uh, does, does doing that kind of crazy stuff kind of reassure you that you could still do stuff like that at this stage of your career? Yeah, incredibly. I felt really, I mean, I was sore, but nothing major. Like mm-hmm. I felt really good. Like two or three days after that ladder match, I was, I was pretty much normal, but uh, I just recently in that a triple threat uh, match with me, myself and Seth Rollins, uh, I hurt my neck and that was the first like injury I've kind of had since I've been back, but it, it feels much better now than it did then. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I've just been lucky, man, overall. So obviously you're facing Elias on Sunday at the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view. We're still in the early stages of the story right now, but what have been your thoughts and the recent rivalry that you've had with Elias and how it's kind of compared to other feuds that you've had since you've been back with Sheamus, AJ Styles, and Sami Zayn? It was strange, man, seeing like the, the footage from whenever that went down, the uh, the fake arrest and all that stuff with the with the wreck, and it was just it was real, real weird watching it back. But I mean, it's cool. It's pro wrestling, and and I knew that that whole controversial storyline with Sheamus, you know, the, the beauty behind all that is that outcome I knew was going to be great. Like me going in there against two enemies, the alcohol and Sheamus. And actually a few of my ideas is the reason that thing kind of came about. So that just made me feel really good that the outcome was, was such a good payoff and a positive, you know, payoff as far as I'm concerned. And, uh, and now that Elias is kind of bringing that 
back in, I'm sure it's going to move on to something bigger and beautiful. And especially since he's involved in music, I'm involved in music. I think a lot more than just a wrestling match can happen moving forward. Well, I was going to say, so you mentioned on Raw Talk on Monday about a potential battle of the bands type of thing. Have you ever been interested, because you've been with WWE on and off for a long time now, about bringing your music to WWE TV? Because it's no secret that you've done a lot of music. You sing a lot of your own songs and whatever, used your own theme songs and impact at one point. Uh, would this be the perfect time to bring your music over to the WWE world? I think so. And I don't know how long ago it was, but I don't know if I had a dream or just a vision, but like I was performing at a WWE show. And I remember this was, this was way before I even had gauges. So this is a long time ago that I actually mm -hmm. kind of seen this in my head happening, but I was like doing some kind of musical performance and I had gauges in. So I'm pretty sure it was probably just a dream I had years ago. And, and I was like, and then maybe that's that deja, uh, deja vu moment that's just waiting to happen in my career. So, kind of on the subject of theme songs and stuff like that while you were in impact you used all your music like every theme song you have was recorded by you yourself which was really cool have you ever pushed for i mean obviously you have the hardy boys theme song in wwe you're pushing for no more words i'll ask about that in a moment but have you ever wanted to use your own music in wwe or wasn't just really not the right place for it god i just recently uh thought about this like doing cardio the other morning because i i looked at my old um uh, willow entrance music in the other wrestling world i was like whoa that that would be really cool if i, I do ever introduce willow mm -hmm. inside the wwe universe and do my own song for willow but as far as my music go man as it goes that hardy boys music is for matt and myself although i am using it now uh hopefully if we get back in front of like actual audiences we're, we're saving no more words for that because when i re-sign that was my main thing as long as i get no more words back when we get back in front of live audiences i'll stay for a few more years and you've said that before. So you wanted to use no more words when you're back in front of crowds, which is cool. The crowd's going to react crazy to that because it's been so long since we last heard it. So when you say you, when you re-signed, when you, you wanted to use the music, uh, that was one of the things that you kind of re-signed for. Was that when you re-signed this year or when you initially re-signed a couple of years ago? That was this year. That was this okay. year. When I came back from knee surgery, yep. Mm -hmm. Very recent. So now that you're on the Raw brand coming out of the WWE draft, the brand that you haven't been on on your own, obviously you came back to Raw a couple of years ago with Matt, but on your own since 2008, which is such a long time, were you surprised with the move and going to Raw as part of the draft and, you know, kind of being more of a SmackDown guy over the course of your career, or is it, you know, just more of a making the most of wherever you are? I was a little surprised at, at first, but actually this morning, man, I was reminded that back in 1994, uh, <laughs> this guy named Keith Davis was supposed to wrestle Razor Ramon, but I ended up becoming Keith Davis at 16 years of age uh, on Monday Night Raw uh, mm -hmm. in 1994. I was a junior in high school, and just to be here in 2020 of October and to still be doing this thing, this crap that I love to do, uh, it's just amazing, and I'm blessed each and every day so i really don't care where i go they can send me to nxt if they want to i'm just happy to be involved was that ever a thought in coming to nxt because some people when they come back to the company actually the weekend that you guys came back at wrestlemania 33 drew kind of came over with you guys around that same time he went right to nxt obviously obviously you guys had the amazing moment at wrestlemania was there ever a thought in your mind of maybe going to nxt or was it always raw and smackdown for you for me, it was always Raw or SmackDown, but I'm not going to lie. I have had some kind of visions, too, of, like, if I did go to NXT, like, just being all painted up, like, yellow and black and NXT colors and you know, being some kind of old school, like, I don't know, like, leader, uh, uh, joker style or some weird. I can't explain it. But uh, now I mainly naturally always I feel home on SmackDown or Raw. But, man, I, I love the WWE Universe, so I'm open to whatever. 
you mentioned the Willow character before. Is the Fiend the ultimate character that that Willow character would work against? Is that kind of like your dream feud, so to speak, right now in WWE? I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. Every time I see the Fiend, especially, I mean, in person, it's like it's so exciting because it's just like artistic and like different and scary and cool and. Uh, yeah, I just, man, and Willow was such a huge part of my, my early days in wrestling. Like when we were doing the, uh, independence and the Omega deal, like Willow was like my main, my main thing. He was like an in-betweener type dude, like good and bad, but, uh, just that whole alter ego thing Mm -hmm. about the Fiend and Bray Wyatt. It's just so exciting, man, to think that that might actually happen one day, but, and I've already kind of try to get on getting a new cooler like evolved type of mask made and and definitely i have the idea of how willow will look if if he does enter the wwe universe and, and it's so exciting to to dream about that in my head and fans are looking forward to that moment if and when it hopefully does happen now you mentioned the Sheamus feud before and kind of how it was controversial and whatnot and you mentioned on the bump a couple of months ago how you know it could have been uncomfortable at times obviously it was kind of similar to the cm punk feud from over a decade ago and both were great for different reasons both feuds um do you think fans were justified and i mean not everyone but some fans were feeling kind of the way that it was like you said it was kind of a controversial feud or was it more a matter of if i'm okay with it then other people should kind of be okay with it too I think it was like that as far as I'm concerned because uh, even close friends will say, oh, that's messed up. I can't believe it. I wish they'd just leave that alone and not go there. I was like, the outcome's going to be worth it, man. The outcome yeah. is going to be worth it. And to me, it was, I mean, because we've moved on from that. And uh, and I like them. And there's just, I think it's kind of therapeutic about that. Even the, the simple fact of admitting what you are when you are an alcoholic and reminding yourself on a daily basis uh, of how bad it can be, it's helped me like tremendously. So, uh I don't see anything wrong with that. I thought it was a great way to kick off my my hopefully last final killer run in WWE and a long, you know, five to ten year run. So, um, yeah, I don't know, man, but uh, I, I'm all good. I'm glad we did it, and, and I was very proud of that, that bar fight. Yeah, and the payoff was great, too. Like you said, the bar fight was awesome. I got to see it in that episode of SmackDown a couple of months ago. Uh, so before the feud with Sheamus, you actually came back on that SmackDown right before WrestleMania, and the timing – was just terrible because you were on that backstage and you were, you like you said, you were coming back from knee surgery and you were like, Oh, I can't wait to be back, you know, hear the roar of the crowd and whatnot. And then literally the first show that you were back for was that pandemic smackdown with no fans. No one was there. So the timing just was crazy. Uh, how was, as, as someone kind of, who kind of feeds off the crowd, how was that experience for you being on that first empty arena smackdown? And that was back in March. So were there any plans that you know of for you to be at WrestleMania before you kind of came back later on? Uh, no, there was no plans. All I all I knew then, and like in the moment, because I'd been going to TVs week after week, but just hadn't been used yet. And originally, I was supposed to uh, return in Detroit, Michigan, I think, in front of like twenty thousand people, and mm-hmm. I'm so excited. But then it ended up being the first show at the Performance Center in front of nobody, complete silence. And I'll never forget like wrestling Corbin for the first time, and it was just so. It was like we're out there just training, you know. I mean, I knew the cameras were on and people were watching this at home all across the world and, and or whatever. But yeah, there was no like adrenaline. It was just so surreal. But it it's the way it kind of had to be. And what's really weird is like Matt uh, being he didn't hang around, and when he debuted in that other pro wrestling world, it was the same thing. It was, mm-hmm. it was like the first show in front of nobody, I think. So mm-hmm. what a strange uh, year 2020 has been, but. Um, it's really cool like to be at the Thunderdome every week. It's kind of a step in that that right direction to getting back to normal eventually, hopefully. So it's just cool to be a part of it. 
Yeah, for sure. And especially since that environment in the Thunderdome too made that ladder match that we spoke about before so special because you can kind of, you know, hear the fans, the audio in there. It didn't really feel like there was anything different about it, which was cool. Um, you mentioned Matt, have you been able to keep in touch? Not keep in touch, obviously, as your brother, but kind of keep tabs on what he's been doing elsewhere right now and, and stuff like that. Yeah, for sure. We still uh, keep each other updated on, on what's going on. And it's cool, man. And and who knows, as far as a lot of fans, oh, man, are we going to ever see the Hardy Boys together again? I was like, oh, most likely, yeah, but I don't know when, I don't know where. But uh, that's one thing about Matt and myself. We have been very lucky, man, to still be doing this this later in our lives. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's a pretty amazing thing from where it all started to where it is. And we actually just celebrated the 10-year anniversary. I know you mentioned this on, I think, your Twitter page or Instagram when you did the the Antichrist, the professional wrestling character elsewhere in Impact, which was such a great character for as long as we got it for. And you've been a good guy for practically your entire WWE run. Not maybe that character specifically, but have you ever been interested in maybe doing something similar to that in the WWE world? Because it kind of felt like it was short-lived when we got it that first time over 10 years ago. Oh, for sure, man. That's honestly one of the things I kind of feel like I, I want to make right because it was such a cool character and something so unique and different for me, especially when I'm trying to, you know, turn the people and, and make them dislike me in some uh, way, shape, or form. So, yes, yeah, like one of those things that uh, pretty much addiction killed that character with that terrible thing that happened with Sting. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of one of the things that, that now I think I have the opportunity to, to make right and to make possible. And, and Willow in the WWE universe is another huge thing I definitely want to do, but that's what's cool, man. My dreams uh, seem to come true in the WWE and uh, in the wrestling world. So it's just exciting to have all these visions and to think about the possibilities. And you went on record, you know, for a long time and saying that you wanted the hell in the cell match in WWE. And we were able to get that two years ago. So obviously anything is possible. Um, but when you originally left in 2009, obviously that promo that everyone talks about, you said it's not goodbye forever, rather for just right now. And it was another eight years before we saw you in WWE again. When you cut that promo, is there like in your, maybe not right away, but like, is there a timetable? Like, okay, I'll be back in a year. I'll be back in a couple of years. Or did you just know that at some point I want to end my career in WWE? I think that's what I, I, I knew deep down because I had no idea what was about to happen back then uh, when I left because it's been public record. It's been a hell of a roller coaster ride, uh, mm-hmm. you know, good and bad with me and addiction and alcoholism. So, uh, yeah, I think just, man, it's been more than me this whole time. So something deep down was, was let me know that I'd be back. I wasn't sure when, wasn't sure where, but, uh, but I mean, it, it, here we are, here I am. And I'm just, I'm so blessed to wake up each and every day, happy and healthy and, with my family, man. So I, my gratitude is, is crazy off the charts. And obviously everything happens for a reason. We saw you and Matt back at WrestleMania 33. That was my first WrestleMania. So to be there for that moment, growing up a big Hardy Boys fan was absolutely surreal to say the least. Can you describe that reaction that you guys got in the building that night for WrestleMania 33 being back on that night? Yeah, as far as moments, man, that one's like probably the moment now uh, because that was just that whole month leading up to that night was so stressful. I mean, just the, and that whole like expedition of gold method, it was so genius. I mean, because winning all those tag team titles and all the different companies and then the finally win the main, you know, tag team titles was just at WrestleMania in front of that many people was just incredible man uh so yeah it's just like and I, I think it was you know meant to be and and i'm exactly where i'm supposed to be right now and even matt he's exactly where he's supposed to be i believe but i me and my spiritual connection with all of this mm-hmm. i think it has a lot to do with my mother you know we, we lost our mother at a very young age and just talking to her every day through through god and and spiritual stuff i mean it's just uh 
I don't know what I would do without it, but I'm glad I don't have to do it alone. And final few questions for you. What are your thoughts in the current state of the industry right now, WWE, with kind of how the style of wrestling has changed from when you guys first started 20 years ago uh, and as to what it kind of is today and how there's, you know, genuine competition right now, what are your kind of state of the industry thoughts uh, right now in wrestling? I think it's really exciting, man. Um, just watching, I mean, uh, I'll be watching a lot more Raw now, but uh, being that I'm on it, but uh, there's been a few times when I do my Instagram uh, painted face uh, post, I've already got back to my hotel and I'm watching the end of the show. And man, this Roman Reigns stuff and Paul Heyman, I mean, it's just to me, it's been incredibly powerful and I'm, and it's so exciting to, to be a part of that. And I, I even, you know, I just go, wow, this is cool to still be a, a member of the WWE universe and, and a wrestling fan at heart. Um, uh, it's just so exciting and uh yeah i think it's i mean really good it's very strange probably the strangest it's ever been because of covid but um it's it's just going to be so fun to see how it evolves hopefully for the better uh, there's always i've said this a lot too man i'm like i don't know man i don't know if it's, i hope it gets better but 90 99% of me knows it's going to get better but I'm like that 1% man maybe this is the early stages of armageddon we're slowly <laughs> just it's going to get worse and worse I think it's important to be afraid of stuff like that. And, uh, yeah. But overall, yeah, I'm just excited to be involved in, in pro wrestling. And, and uh, gosh, I can't wait for everything to get back to normal. Yeah, for sure. Same here. Uh, final question for you, Jeff. What's the most memorable match slash moment that you've been involved in in your career, as well as what your kind of ultimate goal is as you kind of enter, like you said earlier, the last stage of your career in WWE? Uh, for me, uh, especially not, you know, teaming with Matt now, uh, it's, it's got to be that the uh, ladder match with the undertaker, because to this day, I still get complimented on that match. You know, the story of the underdog versus the legend, the man. And he just, he did so much for me that night. Uh, for me, just telling the story of never stand down, always getting back up. It's just so metaphorically um, twin to my, my real life, you know, just get, get knocked down and keep getting back up, you know, screwing up your life and keep fixing it. You know, that's uh that's been the story of my life, man, since my early 20s, kind of. But I wouldn't change it for, for, for anything, man. I, I live now with no regrets and no predictions. And, and man, I, faith over fear, all that good stuff. And uh, mm-hmm. But, yeah, The Undertaker and, and young Jeff Hardy, when I kept getting up, I, I think that, that did so much for me. It's insane. And is getting that one more world title run your kind of ultimate goal as you wind down your career? I think so for sure. Cause naturally to be the WWE champion, that's, that's the peak. And, yeah. and I want to get back there again. And even the universal champion, I, w- I would love to say I've been the universal champion. And, and yeah. the, the beautiful thing is it's, it's possible um, as long as I stay on that straight and narrow. And, and I love that. And hell in the cell is this weekend. So I can't wait to see Roman and, and Uso go at it, man. And Randy and uh, Drew, I mean, these two Titans clashing, man, it's just going to be so good. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. You and Elias as well, the pay-per-view on Sunday. Thanks so much for the time, Jeff. I appreciate it. Thanks for being an inspiration. Take care, man. So great to see you doing awesome right now in WWE. Thank you too, brother. Have a good day. Big thanks once again to Jeff for his time. Had a great time talking to one of my all-time inspirational idols, icons, what have you. It was an awesome experience. But with that being said, we're going to get to Mr. Marceau right now to talk about Hell in a Cell, Monday Night Raw, and so much more. Mr. Marceau, how are you doing? Are you excited for Halloween on Saturday, brother? I'm doing a wonderful, um, as <laughs> be in this pandemic, but uh, doing good. Halloween, I'll be going to my sister's house for a little Halloween get together, but uh, nothing crazy. You said, did you have a costume set? I remember I asked this a couple of weeks ago, but do you have a costume set for Saturday or no? I do not yet. Not yet. I thought you and Molly, you're not doing a couple costume set yet. 
we probably are, but we haven't got done yet. It's wow. just a lot of moving. A lot of moving parts, GSM. A lot of moving parts. Well, it is tough during the pandemic, but it is nice to celebrate nonetheless. So we got a ton to talk about here today. we got a ton to talk about from the Hell in the Cell pay-per-view on Sunday. We are recording this before Halloween Havoc, unfortunately, um, tonight on Wednesday, as well as Dynamite. So we'll get to that stuff next week, in addition to Full Gear Predictions, because that's coming up on Saturday. We had Bound for Glory Saturday, this past Saturday. Hell in the Cell's on Sunday. Halloween is this coming Saturday. And then Full Gear is next Saturday. Are you all wrestling out yet, Mr. Marceau? Uh, not yet, but I'm getting there. Especially after a three-hour Raw that felt like five hours that we'll discuss momentarily. Um, but before we go any further with the Hell in the Cell and the Raw talk, which I do have a lot to say about, as well as you do, Mr. Marceau, uh, some breaking news, kind of, of sorts. Not really, but um, this is a couple days old by the time this hits the airwaves. Thunder Rosa dropping the NWA Women's World Championship. I believe of the UWN, I forgot the name of the show, but it airs on Fight TV. She dropped it to Serena Deeb, who's an AEW star. Uh, so I guess kind of a two-parter here. The lesser question is, does this mean a formation of sorts, a partnership of sorts between the NWA and AEW officially? Because I'm, really, I'm not really sure why else they would put the championship on an AEW star. But more importantly, do you think this title loss means Thunder Rosa is not AEW-bound, Mr. Marceau, but WWE-bound instead? Um, from what I've seen on the internet, I mean, I don't, I, from what I've seen from all tidbits and rumors, it sounded like it was rumored last week through Dave Meltzer that if she had lost the match that all sides are pointing towards that she was going to go to NXT or WWE. So, I mean, why would she just drop the bell and they just put on Serena? I think, I'm not sure if it's an actual alliance. I'm not sure what the NWA's plan is, especially with, um, the pandemic going on, but maybe since they knew that she was leaving, that they just want to put on Serena to keep it on TV and just kind of keep the company still like fresh in everyone's mind if they still have the belt on there. But uh, I think all signs point to Thunder Rosa going to WWE, it sounds like. Well, don't you think that if it was if she was headed to AEW, she probably would have lost it on Dynamite? I mean, Serena Deeb is an AEW talent, so don't you think they would have had her do the title loss there if that's what they were going to do? I would say so. I, I thought it was kind of weird that I was on a random show, but... Like I said, NW is not running. I would if I thought if if she was gonna lose, you'd probably lose on AEW. Yep. But who knows? Maybe I don't know. Maybe her contract was up and she wasn't gonna come back. I don't, I don't really know that situation. But maybe this was her last match and she maybe. It seems like not that she had a bad relationship, but I know she had those issues with Evilise early on. So maybe she was just like screw you. I think they officially good. signed her as well. So who knows? <laughs> but yeah, all all signs. Uh, point to her going to WWE. Do you like her going to WWE? Because I think of the two, and now I'm not one of these people, and we've mentioned this before, where if someone goes to WWE, this was the case with a, a gentleman by the name of Ben Carter that I talked about on Hashtag a week or two ago. Oh my god, I can't believe he's going to the competition. Fuck him. He's making a big mistake. If they want to go there, nothing is stopping these people. We've mentioned this time and time again, dude, where it's like, yeah, the company will miss underutilize this talent, but they're not putting a gun to their head saying you have to sign here. These people risk it all by signing there. It's not always WWE's fault. They are making the choice to go there. And the biggest thing is, is that WWE is the biggest company out there. AEW might, in some cases, offer more money, offer more opportunities. But if I'm Thunder Rosie, yeah, AEW might be a nice fit. She came across like a star there. Um, and they could use some help with the women's division, but WWE is the biggest there is. And you also don't want to risk, I was thinking about this this morning, with Thunder Rosa, her stock might not be as hot a year or two from now. Some people peak, and then they kind of cool down, 
And then when WWE is an option again in a couple years, they may not want her or offer as much money. Because that's always a factor, too. It may not always be number one, first and foremost, but it is always a factor nonetheless. So I really don't think it's a bad move. I would prefer her, honestly, in AEW, but I think in WWE she could do really well, depending on where she ends up, whether it be in NXT or a Raw or a SmackDown. Yeah, no, I, I, I think a lot of people don't realize. It's also just because some people are just very skewed in their opinion. Um, but I mean, just like any sport or any business, like you want to work for the biggest company there is. So as a wrestler, you, you'd be fooling yourself if you're saying, oh, I would never want to work for WWE. I mean, if your goal is to be a professional wrestler, I think you, you, you're you kidding yourself if you say that you don't want to work for WWE. It's the biggest company there is. They're all the spotlights on you. It's the most known. People don't really know what, I mean, AEW is growing, but like even plenty of times I've gone to, when me and you have gone to AEW shows and I was at work, someone's like, oh, what are you doing at the work? I'm like, oh, I'm going to a wrestling show. I'm like, oh, WWE's here? And I'm like, no, this is other company that no one even knows about. So mm-hmm. I think people kid themselves, oh, why would you want to go there? I think AEW should probably have more opportunities and be probably portrayed on top longer. But I just, I mean, WWE is the biggest company there is. So if the opportunity comes knocking, I, I think you'd be foolish to at least not try it out. Obviously, it's not guaranteed. She might not use at all and she might be a flop but you have to just take the opportunity i think she has a unique character i don't think they should maybe they'll probably change her name but i think her character and what she's developed already is so unique that it's something different it's not like another blonde or brunette like model that's coming in that's mm-hmm. not like, like not, I'm not, i don't want to like use like the blonde bimbo but like no i know what you mean it's not another like, charlotte 2.0 or something yeah, it's like not that. like another it's something different so i think it could work um, it's not another Eva Marie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think it could work. I'd like to see her NXT first, um, build her up a little bit more, and then and then eventually on the main roster. But uh, no, I think it would be a great gift for WWE and a big loss for AEW if they don't if, if she is going there because their women's division is an absolute nightmare. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. I honestly forgot. I'm not going to joke with you, dude. Uh, the the two hour dark that is still going on to this moment. We talked about that last week, but last week's dark was two hours and eight minutes. This week's was two hours and twenty minutes, bro. Like Raw isn't even that long. If you if you add in commercials for Raw, Raw's not even two hours and twenty minutes. That's ridiculous. But nonetheless. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I was watching the show yesterday and I completely forgot they even had Hakura Shida as the women's champion. She was on a couple of weeks ago. Granted, she faced Big Swole, I think. But, like, she is never really on the show. They don't have a set opponent for her at the pay-per-view coming up next weekend. I mean, it's not like it's in a month. It's next weekend they don't have an opponent for her. I just, They had to bring in Thunder Rosa last time because the division is such shit that, I mean, maybe Britt Baker. Britt Baker might make sense because she's been winning lately. She's back. Um, they never really finished up that feud the first time when Sheeta broke her nose back in March or April. Other than that, though, that division is in shambles. So we'll see. It is interesting, though. WWE appears to be making strides, making the effort to kind of, I don't want to say rebuild their women's division because they have a lot of talent, some of which aren't there right now. Charlotte's inactive. Becky's going to be out a while. We've talked about that a couple times in the last few weeks. Um, but, you know, with this rumor of Thunder Rosa potentially going to WWE, even Marie, we heard about it a couple weeks ago, which seems to be a done deal. And even Melina, which she denied, but I mean, it came from enough reputable sources that I believe that probably is the truth. So where would you put her? Would you put Thunder Rosa in an NXT and have her face like an Io Shirai, which I think would be sick? Or do you immediately call her up to the main roster? Um, I think she's, I, I would put her in NXT first. I just don't think she's a big enough name to just prop her right on on uh, WWE TV. I think a lot of people, well, some people know who she is, but 
thinking of build her up a little bit, then have her come up to the main roster. But uh, I mean, there I think NXT has a stacked women's division, so it's it's kind of like half glass filled, half empty. Like I want her in NXT, but they also have a lot of women who they could do a lot with as well. So I think either either way would be fine. But I I would want her to be built up a little bit before going to the main roster and just kind of floundering out. And I honestly completely forgot about Tessa Blanchard, too, who hasn't really been in the news a lot lately, not since she, uh, you know, just quit Impact as the world champion in June. She just up and peaced out. Um, she's still an option, too. They could still be bringing her in. Not that, I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing, just kind of based off her personal history, but that'd be a great get for them, too, on a talent level alone. Um, I'm not sure if AEW would want to touch her with a 10-foot pole, just given her stigma right now. WWE just doesn't give a shit about that type of stuff, given why, like, Matt Riddle's still on the show, Lars Sullivan is still around, Velveteen Dream is there. They don't really care about that stuff. I mean, for better or for worse. Um, so I could see her going there pretty soon as well. Another thing, before we get to the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, kind of on the subject of Hell in a Cell, Sunday they did air a documentary immediately after the pay-per-view, WWE Untold, The Phenom and The Legend Killer. Now, it's not often we talk about the network the, the network content here on the show, Mr. Marceau, but this was so good. I know you watched it. i got to ask you about it. What were your two cents on how good of a documentary this was on Sunday? Oh, I really enjoyed it. I watched it yesterday. I had some free time in the middle of the day. Uh, popped it on. Uh, like I said, maybe, eh, I don't know, I really like the Kane one too. The Hell in a Cell uh, Yeah, one. from last year, yep. But that one was good too, but I really enjoyed this one. This one uh, with Randy Orton and uh, Undertaker. I mean, it was like the prime peak of me watching WWE back in 05, so brought up a lot of memories. Um, I thought their year-long feud just, I don't know, it just didn't seem like it, like, if that happened nowadays, we'd be like over it, I feel like, at, at this point, but, uh, no, that feud just was great. They had a, a lot of good matches. Um, the story kept always involving. Um, I was there at Armageddon 05 for the uh, Hell in a Cell match at the good old Dunkin' Donuts Center in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. Yep. Great stuff. Um, but no, I, I thought it was really great. Randy came off good. Uh, Undertaker came off great. Love how Randy no-showed their uh, rehearsal. <laughs> the rehearsal of WrestleMania 21. Love that. I mean, he even admits that he was a dick back then, but like he just seemed like... Even when they had the evolution, I think they had an evolution when they had the uh, ruthless aggression one in Triple H. Is just like Randy's just a fucking immature dick. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, all the stories you hear from like anyone talking about those OVW guys, basically a lot of them are like immature and just like pricks. So can't say I'm too surprised. But no, I mean, Randy's made a great career for himself. I, I mean, he's got a ton of extra chances, which I mean, I think that also helps that his dad was in the business and he was. A big name, but because I think a lot of those guys they'd probably weed out. But uh, for, for all the all the mistakes he's ever made, I mean, he's still there now. He's now he's the WWE champion for the fourteenth time, so um, he's definitely done something right. I think he's probably one him and John Cena probably two of the most synonymous people the last twenty years. So uh, it was good stuff. Love the Undertaker in there. Love when he said he was going to give him that receipt back and it was back at Armageddon. And stuff like <laughs> yeah, that. love that. I think just the whole like. Those behind-the-scenes documentaries going into that stuff just kind of like props the curtain open a little bit and gives you a little behind-the-scenes, which is always nice. Yeah, no, it was great. I definitely recommend it for people who do not check it out. Now, that Armageddon 05 show, is that your first WWE show, period? Yes. Holy shit, it was a pay-per-view and it was hell in the cell. Yes, sir. Wow, it wasn't even like a house show. That's crazy. That is nuts. I'm surprised that it was at, I mean, you're right next to the Dunkin' Donuts Center, aren't you? Yeah, it's like 20-minute drive. Yeah, well, you're probably are you, you're probably closer to that than you are the TD Garden. 
Yeah, the garden's probably a good hour. Oh, wow. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, no, it was great. To recap the rivalry between Taker and Orton from 05, and I said this in the, in the review that I did the other day, but uh, 05, dude, was a really good year. Between that, Eddie and Ray from that same year, you had Kurt and Sean going into WrestleMania, Triple H, Batista on the Raw side, John Cena, JBL, um, probably more I'm not thinking of that just off the top of my head. But it was such a really good year for you know Edge and Matt Hardy was another one actually just a really good year for feuds and a lot of people really kind of got their start. Um, but that Orton feud really launched him with Taker right into superstardom from that point forward. So definitely recommend it to people who have not yet checked it out. So as far as Hell in the Cell is concerned on Sunday, not a terrible show honestly. I thought it was a a decent show. Definitely not a great show. Certainly not my favorite pay per view of the year. Um, but the two main matches I was looking forward to delivered and unsurprisingly both were from SmackDown, just SmackDown, as you and I have discussed many times is the superior show right now. We'll get to that in the raw review because raw was kind of poopy, but hell in a cell was decent. Now we kicked off the show with an amazing match hell in a cell, which wasn't really necessary, but the I quit stipulation was great between Roman Reigns, Jey Uso universal championship, probably arguably even better than the clash of champions match from last month, which was also great. But this was even better. Really brought the intensity here. Just beat the shit out of each other. They had the strap in there at one point. It was basically a, a strap. I quit Hell in the Cell match. Just throw all the stipulations in there. Um, Jay was great, not giving up. Jimmy had to come on out. And it took Roman beating up Jimmy for Jay to give up. And now as a result, Roman's like the head of the table, which who really cares? But Jay and Jimmy now have to join Roman, apparently. I think that was the stipulation that they laid out. So we'll see what the fallout of the, that, that is on SmackDown. But we also got to see Afa and Sika. We got to see the Wild Samoans on on Sunday night as well, um, celebrating with Roman at the top of the stage, crowning him the new head of the table, which was uh, just fantastic. Just a great visual to go off here for this match. I thought this whole thing was just a pure storytelling masterpiece, Mr. Marceau. Yeah, I completely agree. Like you that I, I don't know if it was as good as Clash of Champions. I think it was basically like Clash Champions 2.0 with a couple wrinkles. Um, I think the storytelling on both ends were really good here. Um, love how uh, Jay didn't quit until Jimmy was about to like, get choked out. I thought that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the whole... I, I wish there was more people from the Anawahi family out there. I mean... Where, where, where was, like, Rikishi? I mean... <laughs> well, Rikishi is the father of the Usos, so it makes sense for him not to be there. They back on him, they lost. They're losers. Uh, he'll, he'll be there at some point, I think. I think it's just going to take time. Ah, uh, okay. Like, Tamina could have been out there. Nia Jax, The Rock. I mean, get the whole family out there. Scrap everyone and get the whole family out there. That would have been great. But no, all kidding aside, I thought that was a great little, like, small touch. I mean, I did not see that coming. I thought it was great that they basically crowned Roman as the head head of the family that was good stuff and i mean i like the usos a lot i think a little change to their characters could work so them aligning with roman i think could go it could be a nice little tweak to their characters i mean they've been champions i couldn't even count how many times i've liked the new like uso penitentiary stuff but that's kind of run its course so uh, a new like chapter of the usos would be great with uh with roman as like the samoan like kill squad well, I think we will soon see Rikishi on the show confronting Roman, saying, "Hey, I thought what you did was shit, whatever." And then Roman just spears him out of his boots. I think that I think that may happen, but it definitely should happen. Would you agree? Um, it would be nice. It would be a nice little touch. Um, I mean, especially if they're aligned with him, and like, there's nothing they really do. It would make Roman come off as a bigger dick than he already does. Like, if he has 
control of them as like his subordinates and then Rikishi comes out and he just beats the shit out of their dad and they can't do anything. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just heat magnet for Roman. Hey, maybe even more so than that and this might make Thanksgiving dinner a little awkward this year, but what if you have the Usos aligned with Rikishi and they're about to take on Roman even though they're supposed to be aligned with him and then they turn on their dad instead and they just beat the shit out of him? I mean, I guess that would make a lot of sense, but it would be a great way to get them heat and to solidify them as heels. I think of it as, and this was shit, but this might make more sense because they've always been close with Roman. But what if, you know, it's kind of like the Brie and Nikki thing where they were feuding and they were calling each other, you know, whatever, bitches, go die in the womb, I wish you died in the womb, all this other terrible shit. Then they just, like, kissed and made up and they were best friends. They never acknowledged it again. That Like, that made no sense. But this, if they did it right, I could see them doing that. The turn is gradual and they do they, they give a reason for why they would want to willingly align with Roman. I think it would work. So I like that a lot. I'm loving the whole Roman Reigns saga right now on SmackDown. Easily the best part of the show. Um, whereas we go to Raw and we have Elias and Jeff Hardy. This is a pretty mediocre match. I like both guys. The feud is what it is. Elias wins via DQ after Hardy, you know, you know, smashed a guitar over Elias's head. I mean, what else can be said about this? Yeah, I just I thought, yeah, I don't even know how to like approach this. I just. I think the SmackDown, I feel like all the storylines, even if they're kind of dumb, they've been still, like, connecting with me a little bit. They still, like, have have some juice left in them. All these rough, you just seem like either they're carrying on for way too long or I just don't really care. I like Jeff Hardy. Elias, I just think he's been stopped, stopped, pushed so many times. I just really, at this point, don't really care. Um, but, no, I, I think SmackDown, like, going to the show, like you said, I think the two matches that hit for me, at least, with the two SmackDown matches and all the Raw matches were just meh, and I just feel like that's how the shows are too. Like Raw on Monday night just was just another meh Raw, nothing special. Definitely, I mean it, it was just a way to continue the feud and keep it alive, which you know whatever. Um, they haven't really explained why Elias thinks that Jeff you know attacked him, even though it was clear that he didn't. So I don't, maybe he just doesn't watch the show. I'm not, I don't blame him, but maybe that's why. Um, the match was what it was, and you know maybe if they have a, a a concert off type of thing, it could be interesting. But the matches themselves, they're really just it's it's whatever. Um, you're not going to buy Elias's new album, Mister Marceau? Uh, I got better things to spend my money on. <laughs> we go from there to the Miz and Otis for the Money in the Bank contract. Now it's not often the Money in the Bank briefcase is defended, but we got that here on the show as part of the lawsuit from SmackDown, which. Honestly, this whole feud has been incredibly dumb and pointless, but I thought those segments on SmackDown last week were actually entertaining. For whatever reason, I just enjoyed them. Uh, We got cameos from JBL, Ron Simmons, Teddy Long. I liked it. The match itself, complete undercard throwaway bullshit. Not that it was bad, but I can't bring myself to care. I really don't. I like Otis a lot. He has lost so much steam since WrestleMania, it's not even funny. Um, and literally isn't even funny. Like, he was one of the best parts of SmackDown. The whole Mandy Rose thing was great going into Mania. And then they kind of, not pulled the plug on it, but he was off the show for a little while. They had him win Money in the Bank when he shouldn't have. It just it, This whole thing felt forced. They had to get the briefcase off of him. Miz is not an amazing option. I will completely, you know, say that just right off the, right off the bat. Um, I agree with you there, but it's a better option than Otis, who there is zero chance of him cashing in successfully. Miz, it might be like a 5% chance with how he's been booked in 2020, but it's better nonetheless. So not only is Miz Mr. Money in the Bank now, but we had Tucker turning on Otis to give Miz the victory. Now, Miz is not aligned with Tucker. They had no idea that was going to happen. Tucker's doing his own thing. Gave the I mean, it, was, it wasn't a bad promo, but the whole like, oh, it was all about Otis, blah, blah, blah. You had to have seen this coming at some point. 
with the whole storyline revolving around Otis earlier this year. So I'm of two minds on this thing. If they're on separate shows, then honestly, dude, whatever. Um, like if they're on separate shows, you can break him up. I mean, Tucker's going to flounder face heel tweener. It doesn't matter. He'll be on fucking main event facing Titus only on a month. So it doesn't even really matter. But if they're going to end up on the same show again, like coming out of the draft, because I heard Tucker might be going back to SmackDown or Otis to Raw or whatever, then this was incredibly pointless and super stupid to break up another tag team that should not have been broken up. They never even had a chance to win the tag titles. I just thought, I, I didn't even get pissed at this. It was dumb because they shouldn't break these guys up, but they were already on separate shows anyway. So honestly, why the hell not? Uh, I mean, I, I it's one of those things, like, I not that I was like, oh, I know for a fact Tucker's going to turn here, but like in the back of my head, I just was like, I could still see having him turn on Raw, and I just literally wouldn't care at all, and that's what happened. I, I just, I understand how, like, Otis was popular and stuff like that, but it just seems like the, them putting the briefcase on him was just, like, it was just a knee-jerk reaction to, like, get the fans talking, like, oh, my God, Otis, like, the thing is, we just always, like, we knew, because when they announced it, you could only cash it on whoever the champion of your brand was. It wasn't like he was going to beat The Fiend or Roman Reigns or someone, like. Mm-hmm. Or Braun, uh, yeah. Those things, I just, I think there was just a knee-jerk reaction. They are like, oh, we're going to put on someone different. They put on Otis, and it just flopped, I mean. He just, uh, and I, I, the Miz is whatever. I mean, I, I guess it's good as him champion, but I'm trying to go back. I'm trying to look it up. I couldn't even remember who else was in that Money in the Bank match, but I think going into it, we were saying, like, you wanted like, Alistair. Alistair Black, maybe Andrade was in there. That might be a. Well, you said Alistair, and I wanted, not that I, I mean, Alistair would have been great, but I was saying AJ. I figured AJ would have won it because he was Looking in there back too. at it, like, besides Baron, I mean, Rey Mysterio doesn't really need it, but. Like, Daniel Bryan would have been nice, Aleister Black, uh, AJ, like, Otis, like I said, I think it was more of, like, a shock than actually being good, and then they never went anywhere with it. Tucker, I mean, besides that break performance he had at the Greatest Royal Rumble in that Battle Royal, I mean, <laughs> I, I, put on the, I put on the championship on him, he's so good, but, uh, all kidding aside, he's a joke, too, so like you said, he'll be on, he'll be on main events soon enough, uh, just wasting away a career. I, I, not that I... I'm like mad that they broke them up. It just their tag team division sucks already. So you you you'd think they'd keep them together at least. They at least have some teams, but I guess not. So not that I care. Like the Miz is whatever is Mister Mister Money in the Bank, but like he's just not really that big right now. He's kind of just a joke. Him and John Morrison are just kind of jokes right now. So we'll see where it goes. I just I think they missed an opportunity with Aleister Black, especially. I think he's floundered a lot since since that's that happened and uh i don't know i just think ross sucks right now and tucker <laughs> i was not gonna so what do you do with this do you put tucker back i mean i wouldn't put them on the same show but do you have them have a singles match at survivor series or on the are they a part of the men's team like i feel like tucker would stick out like a sore thumb if they had aj styles sheamus keith lee and fucking tucker and then Otis, I mean, I could see Otis on the other team. I can honestly understand that. But, like, Tucker on the other team, who cares? Who gives a shit? No one, no one cares, but they, in their mind, they're like, oh, we can blow it off here. But, like, no one gives a shit. It just, I just don't get, the worst part about this whole thing is what I don't get is, like, Raw and SmackDown are written by the same people. Yep. Like, I don't get how one show is so good and one show is so bad. It's not like it was written <laughs> by two different people. You can see why it's different. It's just, like, nothing Raw is doing right now makes me excited at all it just kind of just meh 
the whole Survivor Series, like, brand supremacy stuff, like, can we move on from that? Like, who gives a shit? Raw and SmackDown are two separate shows. Like, you know, every November, it's time to see who's the better brand. Like, just turn on the show and you'll know which one's better. SmackDown kills Raw. <laughs> yeah. When a fucking throwaway traditional match, that means fucking diddly shit. So, they just need to make it, like, I don't care if they, like, give me stakes. I need stakes on this. Like, I don't care if they say Raw, like, whoever wins, whatever team wins, there will be five members. Whoever's left at the end, you have an opportunity to get a championship match, number 30 in the Royal Rumble, or entry into the Money in the Bank. And then they just fucking open a briefcase or something, and then that's their opportunity, and you just do it by random. At least make them, like, make it mean something. Like, oh, we won, so this is what we get. So, like you said, like, they could get number 30 in the Royal Rumble, they could get a future title match, or they could be in Money in the Bank the next year. Like, that... I would make sense and like make people care about the show. Like, oh, we beat Raw and SmackDown. We like who gives a shit? <laughs> Sorry for it. Who honestly gives a shit? I mean, seriously, we're five years into this thing. I thought NXT being involved was great, but they're not involved this year for literally no reason. I know they weren't part of the draft, but they weren't part of the draft last year either. But they were still a part of Survivor Series. Is it because they don't want? I, I don't even know who's the champion right now. Finn Balor, he's hurt, so he won't be back in time. Is that why? Or, like, do they not think... I, I don't know. It's just a very weird thing um, as to why they're not involved. I mean, dude, fuck. Like, Dinner Debonair has more stakes than Survivor Series does. It's a fucking joke that there's nothing on the line for this pay-per-view. There's literally... There's nothing on the line here. There's no reason for anyone to care. Um, the matches should be fine. I thought last year's show was probably one of the best installments I've seen of Survivor Series in several years. But that was with NXT. Without them, I just... I mean, honestly, who gives a shit? Um, we'll get to that with Raw in a moment. But to finish off the Hell in the Cell review here, we had Sasha Banks, Bailey, Fantastic Hell in the Cell match. I, I wouldn't exactly put it on the level of their TakeOver matches from five years ago, but it comes pretty close. Um, I, I don't even know if it was as good as Becky and Sasha from last year. I'd have to rewatch that one. But this was still a great match for the SmackDown Women's Championship a lot of callbacks to previous spots in their story, their feud, whatever. And Sasha Banks finally picks up the win and becomes the SmackDown Women's Champion, ending Bayley's reign at 12 months. And my only nitpick w with this was the fact that it didn't main event. Why the fuck wouldn't this go on last? Yeah, I know. I enjoyed this match a lot. I just... I, <laughs> I don't know. I, 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 I would say... I don't know. Because the, the Drew and... Brandy match was just a snooze fest. I mean, for how much they've been building up that feud, I literally could give two shits less about that match. <laughs> it just dragged on forever, and I don't know. I, and I think it telegraphed it. I feel like I once I knew the main event was going to be on last, I kind of figured Randy would win. Um, but no, I, I mean, I would have had this in the main event, especially with Sasha winning. And maybe if Bailey wasn't was going to retain, maybe not put in the main event, but. I thought it was good. I I, th I think Becky and Sasha from the year before I, I would say was better, but this one had more of like a storytelling aspect than just like an actual in ring like classic, I guess. Um, I like the callbacks. I will say though, it was a little silly how I think when she came out, like the chair that Bailey brought up was like halfway up the ramp, and then right when she opened the door, it was, just <laughs> it was right there. there. I, I know. mean, a lot of people probably didn't realize that, but I saw that. I'm like. So I'm going to definitely move that. But that's just nitpicking quickly. But, uh, no, I think it was great. I love the ending with the uh, with the bank statement, her kicking the chair. thought that was great. Um, it's kind of more of the fact of what do you do now, I guess. I, I like the feud. I, I, I think they should have stretched. Like, I don't think the first match should have been at Hell in a Cell. Uh, maybe they can stretch it out and maybe do another match um, down the line somewhere. But, I don't know. I thought they should have just waited to WrestleMania and did. I just... 
Hell in a Cell, just the first match of a, a few that we haven't seen on the main roster in like four to five years. Seems a little silly, but it was good for what it was. Is it safe to say that they should have done the feud a lot earlier than they did? Maybe have the first match at SummerSlam and then blow it off at Hell in a Cell? Do you think that would have made more sense in retrospect? Yeah, I just... I just wouldn't have... I, like I said, when they when Bailey like, destroyed Sasha, I was hoping that it would write her off for a while. Maybe Sasha comes back with Survivor Series, she wins Royal Rumble, and then they do it at WrestleMania. I, it's the, that's the... That's the route I would have taken. Then you could have done a long year build after the fact, and you could have done a match in Hell in a Cell, but I just think they rushed it way too quickly. Yeah, they definitely did. Um, do you do the rematch at TLC, or where do you do the rematch? Because it obviously won't be at Survivor Series. Yeah, I'm assuming it's going to be at, at TLC. Not that I definitely want it there. Like, every match you're going to have is a stip match. I think that's kind of silly, but it'll probably be like a TLC match. And, or Honestly, hopefully a chairs match. Or stairs. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Don't give me don't give me horrid memories and flashbacks. You're giving me PTSD from uh, 2014 Hell in a Cell. No, not Hell in a Cell. TLC with Eric Rowan and Big Show. Oh my God! I'll st- I'll never forget the people after I complained about Big Show winning. This is gonna get Eric Rowan over. He's got to be in chase mode. He's got to get his big. He's got to get his big win back eventually. I die laughing about that in retrospect. Because what what happened the next match they had? Big Show won. Eric Rowan was never heard from again as a singles competitor. <laughs> Amazing. People are so dumb. So we had Bobby Lashley and Slapjack. Moving right along here, uh, we had Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre Hell in the Cell match for the WWE title. Like you said, I was just bored watching this match, and uh, I, I feel like the matches have progressively gotten worse. I, I love the SummerSlam match. Wasn't as big of a fan of the Clash of Champions match. They just kind of brawled all over the place. Interference, it was it made sense. I didn't love it, but whatever. This just kind of almost put me to sleep. It just was really boring. They went to the top of the cell because someone's got to go to the fucking top of the cell. Someone's got to go through a table. It's just so predictable. And then Orton winning didn't really didn't do a lot for me. I figured he would win, but I was hoping that they would do the right thing and keep it on Drew because there's like four or five people he can face right now. Um, I mean, who do you even have Orton face? So what are your thoughts in the match, RJ, and what do you do with Orton going forward based off what we got here and what we got on Raw the next night? Yeah, I just... I I, I, mean, <laughs> I advocated for Randy to win back at SummerSlam. They didn't get pull a trigger when he was freaking hotter than fucking hell. Then they <laughs> waited for him to lose two matches and cool off, and then they put the belt on him. I don't know. To me, that makes no sense. Um... And the match, I thought, was just meh. It just was there. I didn't really care. I figured Randy was going to win once Once was the main event, and that's what happened. But, uh, yeah, I, don't, I just really don't know what to do with him next. There's not really other, too many other big baby faces on Raw. I mean, Keith Lee, maybe. I know they had, like, a little program mid-Drew and Randy. But with Raw, what happened on Raw, it seems like they're going to continue Randy and Drew again, so... Maybe they just do Randy and Roman at Survivor Series, and we got Randy and Drew at TLC. But oh, no. I don't know. It's one, it's one of those things. I, I, I thought I thought they should have waited until after Hell in a Cell just to do the draft, and then you could reset everything, but they didn't really do that. They continued feuds on different shows, even if they drafted people to other shows. I just <laughs> feel like Raw got a lot of big heels, too, from, from the draft. So just like like... Like, Keith Lee, like, Matt Riddle, like, that's, like, their biggest baby face right now besides Drew, and just, like, I don't think they're ready for that position, so. Nope. I don't know. I, I'm very, I thought I thought keeping the belt on Drew with who they drafted on Raw would have made more sense, but who am I? 
And now with Orton, too, like you said, Keith Lee, he owns a victory over Orton, but Keith Lee just lost to Braun Strowman via a nut shot a week ago on Raw in five minutes. I mean, I have no interest in seeing that feud, at least not right now. Who is the ultimate person to take the belt off of Orton? Is it McIntyre again at some point? Is it, did they put the belt on Orton just to get the belt on him for a brief period? And if they did, what would have made more sense to me is if you put the belt on Orton at SummerSlam, which I don't think he should have gotten the belt at all, but if he gets the belt at SummerSlam, you keep McIntyre in chase mode, and then McIntyre wins it back at Hell in the Cell. That, to me, makes more sense. And then you can move on with these other opponents. Because as it stands right now, Orton is the champion. You have Lee. That doesn't make a lot of sense right now. Riddle just lost two matches back-to-back weeks on Raw. Jeff Hardy's stuck with Elias right now. No one else really makes any sense. So you kind of have to continue the feud, I guess. The Fiend's a heel. I don't want to see Orton and The Fiend again. God forbid we get a rematch from WrestleMania 33. One of the worst matches I've ever seen. Um, that was a piece of shit. So, I, I don't know. It, it's tough to say. It's tough to say. I mean, the feud could continue, but with Orton, though, who, is there any one person that stands out to you, RJ, as being the ultimate person to take that belt from Orton? Is it McIntyre? Is it a returning edge at WrestleMania? I mean, I hope not. I mean, I just I just think with who they drafted and who's there, just no one really makes much sense right now besides Drew. I saw reports that they are planning on holding the belt on him until WrestleMania to face Edge. For God's sakes, fuck no. <laughs> we do not need the belt on Edge. We don't need the belt on Randy. I thought they should have put it on Randy right at SummerSlam when he was the hottest. I would have put it back on Drew and Hell in a Cell. Got his 14th title. He was fucking red hot. Made sense. Said so they wait till he cooled off, put the belt on him, and now if they wait for him and Edge, I will stop watching Raw. <laughs> I just don't care. It's 2020. I don't need the belt on fucking Edge or Randy Orton. I thought it would been nice with Randy. He was the hot, one of the hottest acts on the show. It made sense at SummerSlam. Get the belt back on Drew. Find new people and then put them over. We don't need fucking Edge and Randy Orton for the belt at WrestleMania. I'm sorry. I mean, it's not even the fact that they're a champion. Like, if Edge won the belt at another show from another opponent, I may not have as much of a problem with it. But, like, he's facing Orton again. Dude, Edge, do you think he came back to face Randy Orton for a straight year for a third time? Like, give me, I want to see Edge and AJ. I want to see Edge and Drew. I want to see Edge and literally almost anyone else on Raw right now but Randy Orton. The feud's been done to death. we got to move on from this. I mean, I'm over it at this point. I thought it would it was nice at WrestleMania just to get, like, tie up some old stories. Would have been nice. Then, like you said, move on to young guys. Obviously, Edge got hurt. I'm not sure exactly what they had planned for him, but revisiting this again, please, the love of God, no. Do you think they put the belt on Randy literally for a month until they have McIntyre take it off of him again just to have Drew not lose to Roman at Survivor Series? Do you think they would do that? I mean, I would hope not. I mean, who cares? That would be fucking stupid if that's what they did, but just like... I mean, who cares? Even if he loses to Roman, it's not like he's losing to Jinder Mahal, so who gives a shit? Yeah, I don't know. He lost anyway. I'd rather have Drew lose to to fucking Roman Reigns than lose to Randy Orton after you beat him twice. So there you go. Fucking stupidest thing ever. It'd be one thing if you fucking had lost to Randy, and then he beat him at Hell in a Cell, then you do him and Roman again. He fucking beat Randy twice, and then you're going to have him lose a belt, so he's going to lose a Roman Reigns? I mean, I think losing a Roman Reigns is a better rub than losing a fucking Randy Orton, who you already beat twice. 
Exactly. I just, I don't get it. Uh, we'll get into Raw right now as we close down here, as we wind down. In the main event, we did have Orton, The Fiend, and McIntyre going at it. Are we headed for a triple threat of the TLC show? Not just Orton and McIntyre, but could The Fiend be involved for a potential triple threat? And I, I listen, I love The Fiend. I don't think he should be winning back a world championship this soon. Um, it just, I, I don't, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, the, the way they told the, the way that it was on Raw, I mean, The Fiend was involved with same with Alexa Bliss. Um, but also, last week, The Fiend was with the Retribution in her business. So I'm not sure exactly what they're doing with The Fiend. I mean, I wouldn't put the belt right on him right away on Raw. I'd have him gain some more momentum. I mean, not everyone watches Raw and SmackDown, so mm-hmm. I, I would keep the momentum going with, with The Fiend and Alexa Bliss. And I would say probably go for the United States Championship first, but the Hurt Business is heels. He's a tweener heel. Uh, it's just I don't think it would make much sense, and they have their own – their hands are tied with something else, so – I wouldn't put him in the feud, but it just then it's just like, what else do you do with him, I guess? Mm-hmm. Uh, is he just going to keep involving in random feuds and just kind of being there? I don't I don't know. So um, we'll see. I mean, I, I would assume he'd probably be on the Raw team for Survivor Series, but maybe not. I, I really don't know. So I'm interested with the Fiend and the Bliss dynamic. I think that's the best part of Raw right now, just seeing what they're going to do because – they basically planned the seeds on SmackDown and then got drafted to the Raw. I feel bad for Fox. They put it all that time and uh, with Alexa and The Fiend joining together. I mean, got all the people getting ready for that. And once they started actually teaming together, they moved them to Raw. So we'll see. But I, I think they have a lot of potential there. I'd like to see Alexa back in the, the women's division with that same kind of character. I think that'd be refreshing. Oscar has no one to contend with right now. So that's what I would do. Um, keep them busy. Keep them winning. Can't, can't, can't go wrong doing that. No, I agree. I like the whole Fiend and Alexa Bliss thing. I like what we got from them on Monday. I like the fact that she was in the Firefly Funhouse. I thought that was cool. It sounded like she had a new theme on Monday when they showed her being introduced uh, introduced in the Firefly, not fun at Firefly Funhouse, the um, Moment of Bliss segment. You could barely hear it, but it sounded like the same theme with like a, re- like a horror remix. So I want to hear that at some point because I think that's going to be cool. But I'm liking the act. I just don't know if he needs to be champion or where he really fits in right now. You mentioned the Hurt Business, though. Can we just throw the fucking Retribution shit in the trash at this point? I mean, dude, they lost again on Monday. What's even the... I mean, listen, I liked when Ali revealed himself as the leader just because, okay, it's something different. It makes sense. I love Ali, but, like, the rest of the stable is hurting. And no no pun intended because they lost the Hurt Business again, but, like, why do they bother putting this much effort into them if they're just going to lose every week? Because they're stupid, and I think they thought people would like that. would like the group. Then when everyone turned on... So- Stupid. They've kind of basically done the same thing on WWE TV. I mean, I thought the idea had some leverage at first. I thought it was some kind of cool, and then they kind of did nothing with it. Then they started doing these reveals with stupid characters, stupid names, stupid fucking gear. Mia Yim's having fucking seizures on Raw. I mean, the whole thing is just so stupid. Like, people are just shitting on him. Like, when uh, at Hell in a Cell, when they face. They're like, who is he going to face? And they're like, oh, we're going to face that loser in the stupid hockey mask. Like, they're even shitting on the fucking group. So, and they keep losing. They haven't won anything. I just don't care. I just, I just, the way I've been wrong, I'm just like, I could give two shits about Retribution at this point. You might as well just disband the group. No one cares. You can't, they're already dead at this point. Don't even bother putting effort into rebuilding them. I like Ali, but, I mean, 
I think he's better off in catering than doing what he's doing now. So yeah, this shit is tough. I was hoping he could salvage it. I I said they weren't past the point of no return, but they might be now after all the losses they've taken in like the last week and a half alone. Uh, two final points for you. We do have Team Raw set for the men, or at least three members of the five for Survivor Series. Um, the brand supremacy shit, you know, no one really cares about. But for what it's worth, we do have AJ Styles on the team beating Jeff Hardy, Keith Lee beating Elias to qualify, and then Sheamus beating Matt Riddle. All very good matches. The qualifying matches, I'm not sure why we're supposed to care, because again, there's no stakes, so who gives a shit? Um, but the matches themselves to qualify, I thought were really, really good. Now, are there any? What are your thoughts on the team so far, RJ? And is there anyone else you think would make sense to put in those two spots? I know you mentioned the Fiend. I wouldn't put him on the team. I don't think he's a team player. I can't see the Fiend walking out there with a fucking Raw shirt on. <laughs> I don't think he gives a fuck about Raw. So and he was just on SmackDown. I wouldn't put the Fiend there. Maybe Strowman. But are there any other any other names that come to mind as people you would put in that spot? Um, probably Tucker. I mean, he's he's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> finish up that Otis storyline that everyone's clamoring for so <laughs> probably put Tucker on there um I mean that's what they're gonna do that's the worst part so me saying as a joke's not it's probably what's gonna happen <laughs> I'd probably see Tucker and Braun Strowman sounds probably about right I mean I mean who else would you do I I, I think that sounds probably what they're gonna do I mean mm-hmm. can't wait for Tucker's new singles theme it's gonna be great I, uh, I like Otis's new theme. They gave him a new theme at the pay per view. I actually like it. Yeah, it was all right. I mean, he's just a big goof too. So yeah. Uh, so we'll see. But I think Strowman and Tucker probably sounds sounds about right. Yeah, most definitely. I, that's what I'm thinking as well. Unless there's someone I'm not thinking of, like Ricochet, maybe. But like he hasn't been on the show since the draft, so probably not. That wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. So what, speaking of things that don't make a whole lot of sense, why did we have qualifying matches for the men? but we didn't have them for the women. Now, I know Shayna and Nia are on the team because they're the tag team champions. I get it. That, that, that I have no issue with that. Why are Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke automatically qualifying? Because they've won two matches since they've been on Raw? I thought that was incredibly stupid. And then, listen, I like Mandy Rose, but if they're a tag team and Dana Brooke's a part of that tag team, they should not be on Team Raw. You already have one tag team. You don't need another women's tag team on this team. Instead, you should have put the three women who had to qualify, who failed to fucking qualify, that being Peyton Royce, Nikki Cross, and Lacey Evans. Now, Alexa Bliss is good too, but she doesn't really care about that shit right now, so I get it. But the other three women would have made complete sense. None of them will be on the team, as of now, because taking their place instead... Actually, none of them will be, because they already had the five set. Will be Lana. Lana won the Fatal 4-Way on Raw this week, who apparently is supposed to be reportedly... I don't know if you heard this, Mr. Marceau. The next breakout babyface in that women's division, despite the fact she's lost almost every match she's ever had, and she lost to Asuka in two minutes last week. Why should anyone care about Lana joining Team Raw Survivor Series? I mean, I can't wait. Excited, you know what? Lana's got better in the ring. Um, she's a great character. Uh, she probably trained right where Ar- where Cameron trained. I can see the improvement in the ring. Uh, I mean, I can't wait for her to be on Team Raw. She's great. I mean, she gets her ass kicked every week. What what doesn't make you like? I was gonna say. I mean, she's this big breakout baby face right now. In your opinion, Mister Marceau, she's been put through a table for so much. I mean, obviously, gonna feel sympathetic towards her, right? I mean, I do. I I just. I mean, her husband got laid off. Now he's fighting with video game losers on, on AEW. I mean, st- I feel just feel so bad for her. I mean, I'm about to buy a Lana shirt. I'm so, I feel so bad for her. I mean, I think the issue with that is that she has to have a shirt for us in order for you to buy it. 
Yeah, I mean, she's on TV. They are, everyone has a shirt nowadays. Come on. <laughs> yeah. There's guys going out there. Let's not kid ourselves. You're absolutely right on that note. So uh, we'll end it on that. Those are a quick raw thoughts from Monday. There really isn't a whole lot else to say about the show. Uh, we will have more in-depth thoughts on Raw next week. In addition, to TakeOver, not TakeOver, Halloween Havoc review uh, from this week, NXT thoughts from next week too, and Dynamite. And predictions for the Full Gear pay-per-view next Saturday. So a lot to look forward to, Mr. Marceau. People can find you on the Twitter machine at RJ underscore Marceau. Myself at WrestleRant. And uh, enjoy Halloween on Saturday, brother. Let me know what the costume ends up being. Will do, GSM. Will do. What about you? What are you, what are you dressing up as? So, spoiler alert. You've probably seen the movie, but we were at Spirit a couple days ago, and I was thinking about what I could do. I was think I've already told you this, but I was thinking of reusing my Marty costume from Back to the Future from last year. But then Alexis was like, you know, find something else. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I, I I might use that for a different day. So we were at Spirit, and then I couldn't not buy this. But I bought an Average Joe costume from Dodgeball. Remember that movie? Oh, great movie. I love that movie. I bought the Average Joe Dodgeball costume. Love it. I love that. It's a great movie. <laughs> I know you would approve. I love the movie. I was hoping they would have the Cobra or whatever the team name that Ben Stiller's on. Um, I couldn't find it. They only had the Average Joe What'd you say? Global Jim Cobras. Global Jim Cobras. I have to go watch that movie again now that you mention it. So uh, maybe after Halloween. But yeah, that's the current plan. It's going to be a little cold because they obviously wore shorts. So whatever. We're going to be outside for part of the day on Saturday. I'll just wear a fucking jacket. I'll suck it up. Is that like one of GSM's favorite comedies? or? It's not one of my favorites. I mean, I do really enjoy the movie. It's just that when we were going through the costumes there... It was one of the cheaper ones, first of all. And second of all, I really liked the movie, and I thought it would be funny. So I'm like, you know, I, I like I like the movie a lot. Um, so I thought it, it wasn't like, oh, i got to go find an average Joe costume. I just stumbled across it. I was like, oh, actually, this is actually pretty cool. So then I got it because of that. So I, I do really enjoy that movie, and it's one of my my favorite Ben Stiller movies, too. Any other comedies that GSM, GSM likes? Oh, I mean, you probably know all of these, but, like, all the Will Ferrell ones, like... Um, Anchorman I love. I enjoy the Anchorman movies. Anything with Adam Sandler in it from like the early 2000s. Big Daddy, Happy Gilmore. Um, what's the other one? Billy Madison is a classic. Fuck. Ben Stiller, all the movies that he's in too, I've always thoroughly enjoyed. So anything kind of from around that era. The um, Talladega Nights one is all right. I don't love that one, but it's it's good. Um, Step Brothers is one of my favorite movies of all time. So I would say among those. You like Superbad? Superbad fan? I like Superbad. I think I like Pineapple Express more. Um, wow. It's a good That's movie, a, though. My favorite comedy of all I enjoy time. Hangover. That was from that around that same period. So, I, yeah, I, I like those 2000 movies, personally. Yeah, like I said, Superbad's my favorite movie. My favorite comedy. Is that, that the one, is that with McLovin, or is that Pineapple Yes, yeah, so that's the one with uh, Jonah Hill and... Um, okay, Rick. actually, you know what? Maybe I do like that movie more. I get the two mixed up. That's the one with Emma Stone in it, right? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes. I do like Superbad more than Pineapple. I get the two mixed up all the time, but yeah, Pineapple I love Superbad. This is with uh, James Franco and Seth Rogen. No, oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, no, I like Superbad more than I do Pineapple Express. That one's a good one. That's good to hear. <laughs> Enjoy your Halloween, brother. I'll talk to you soon. Once again, folks, check out all new episodes of WrestleRant Radio every single Thursday on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and Google Play. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, and never miss an episode on Thursdays. New episodes are also available on WrestleRant.com as well as WrestleRantRadio.com. 
We'll be back next week, as I said to Mr. Marceau, breaking down Raw, Dynamite, NXT, and anything else going on in the world of wrestling. That being said, guys, enjoy Halloween on Saturday. Always an exciting holiday, as I said earlier, my favorite of the year. Enjoy it, guys. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews, and we'll catch your ass down the road. <laughs>